You're listening to the Goal Line Stand Podcast with Jackson Caudell and Kobe Reed, where we break down all things college football, including breaking news, recruiting, gameplay, and more. Let's get straight to it. Welcome back to another episode of the Goal Line Stand Podcast. Post signing day edition. This is Jackson Caldwell. That is Kobe Reed. How's it feel, Mister Number One Recruiting Class? I don't know. The word on the street, man, that the dynasty was over and Nick Saban lost touch with recruiting. Proof's in the pudding, man. No, all jokes aside, it, it's a great class, and apparently it's on. It's, it's not done yet. Potentially, we'll dig into that a little bit. Um, but tell me a little bit about Georgia Tech signing day, man. Y'all got a couple of good names in there. Be, yeah. It's going to be interesting. It was a big official visit weekend uh, this past weekend. And then there was there was some guys – I mean, they added four prospects yesterday. Tay Seymour from South Atlanta High School. He's he's listed as a linebacker. He, I think they said he's probably going to move to nickel or safety. So that's where I would probably count him uh, coming in. And then a pair of teammates from Leroy, Alabama, uh, Bryson Dixon, and then Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Pugh, who's going to play on the edge. You know, Dixon was a Georgia Southern commit just a while, just a few days ago, and then the word started coming in. He was trending towards Georgia Tech. He's, uh, I think he's a sleeper in this class. I, I, I'll say not a ton of these guys are going to play right away, and I don't think a, a lot of them need to. Um, they went really heavy on the offensive line. I mean, five offensive linemen committed in this class, so it's going to be um a, a lot of development there. And then I think the the best. One yesterday was Eric Singleton Jr., who was a Western Kentucky commit that they flipped, but he was a, a riser in this process. He's super, super quick, super fast. He had, I think, in just the last months, really since the season ended, Auburn, Texas A&M, Utah, and Michigan State had been coming pretty hard after him and had offered. And it, when you've got schools like that coming after somebody, like you got to feel pretty good when you land him. Um, he he was on a visit. He's a guy I, I could see contributing in some um, some fashion later in the year, but. Overall, I think it's it's a it's a nice starting point and something you can look at in the future because, like, for all the things he did wrong, Jeff Collins landed top thirty recruiting classes, which is I think about what you want at Georgia Tech. You get a couple of highly ranked kids like a Jameer Gibbs, who was a borderline five star. You know, Jeff Sims was a four star. Guys like that, you get a few of those sprinkled in with some of these developmental guys, and that's how I think you can win at Georgia Tech. I think that's got to improve. You know, they they got to. They they got to land some more high quality players, but um, and then the the, the transfers were announced: Haynes King, uh, Andre White, uh, Chase Lane, all the Texas A and M guys. They, they they got some good help in the portal. And thing is, you know, this is only one signing day. Like there, there is one in February, so if they were to add any more, um, I know they finished twelfth in the two four seven rankings yesterday in the ACC. So all I'll say is I think there's definitely room to move up. Like that's for sure. I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to sit here and like blow smoke and, and say, well, this is tremendous. This is just a great class. All these kids are underrated. There's room to improve, but it's also like they, they, they had to drop some kids and then they got some kids that they wanted. Um, I know, you know, Tay Seymour's just committed to East Carolina, able to flip him. And East Carolina, like they, when they hand out offers to certain prospects, they are schools that pay attention because they, they've been a good school for a long time. So that you can get good kids there, but um, long story short, I'll say there's definitely room for improvement, but not 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 a bad pinpoint uh, for Brent Key's first class. And you can check out all this Georgia Tech recruiting stuff at alliellowjackets.com. I went pretty in depth yesterday. They did miss out uh, the two misses yesterday. Cameron Wallace, who was he is 
there's Fast, and then there's Cameron Wallace. Penn, he com- he he committed to Penn State. He was at Georgia Tech this past weekend. That was a I know they really wanted him, but that that was unfortunate miss. Jamarius Haynes, a running back out of Alabama, he committed to Clemson, and then Ashley Williams, who they he's been committed to Auburn and Nebraska, I think during this process. He was offered by Arizona State, Kenny Dillingham. They come and got him. He would have been the highest-rated commit in the class. So definitely some misses out there, too. So it wasn't exactly a clean day. But uh, th- those, are, those are my overall thoughts for the Yellow Jackets class. You got any – or you're, you're just – you're ready to – you're ready to hit on the, the 15 five-stars you signed yesterday. No, I mean, the first thing I noticed about y'all's class, I mean, y'all really are trying to buff that offensive line, and I think that's huge. Um, mm-hmm. Y'all got a bunch of big bodies in there. Uh, I think one of the more interesting um, signees y'all got, I like Benjamin Galloway out of Powder Springs, Georgia. Um, big body guy, 6'5", 300-pounder. He's going to be good out there at the tackle position. I think that's something y'all really need. Y'all also got some interior offensive linemen guys. And I think that's what you got to start with, you know. I mean, you got a guy like Haynes King coming in. So you, you got a quarterback. You got to be able to protect him just so you can be able to make plays down the field. And I think – Brent Key, I think he's really taking that on. Also, just the guys y'all had transferred in so far, very interesting. Y'all got a couple good linebackers. Like y'all, it's going to be very, very, very interesting to see how what more y'all can get after the spring in that next transfer uh, portal window. So I, I like it. I'm very optimistic right now. Because they're still going to, I think, after bowl games, there's going to be more kids enter the portal before that the first transfer portal window closes. But at, uh, spring's going to be crazy again because you're going to get to go through two, three weeks of spring practice, your spring game. You're going to get to see, hey, where where do we need help here? Where where could we use help elsewhere? Um, and then, obviously, the other signing day in February, if there's any other kids out there that they can sign. So it's um, – I'll tell you my personal favorite guy in the class that I think is going to be a good player is Zion Taylor, the receiver from Norcross. I've, I've seen him a few times this year, and he's he's impressive. I, I, was, I was worried some – he was going to be uh, chased after by some other schools, but he stuck with Georgia Tech the whole way, and uh, I think he's going to be a stud. Yep. So, you might not get the number one ranked class ever, but it's pretty dang good, um, and it could be getting better. Um, it, we'll see how the next 24, 48 hours turn out. So, yep. I, it's your team. You 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 got the number one class locked up, delivered. How you feel? I mean, it's got. To, I mean, you, I'm sure you feel good, but like you know, I think uh, getting Caden Proctor, getting him, flipping him from Iowa, I think that's huge. I hate that for the for the Iowa fan base because that would have been huge for their program. Um, but we needed a kid like that, man. He's a Evan Neal type kid, a big guy we can put out at the tackle position. We could probably put him at guard if we really needed to, but I don't think we have the depth like that anymore. Um, I think it, I think that was probably one of my favorite signees. Um, Keon Keeley, of course, he's a guy that came on late, but we've been pushing hard for, for him since the summer. But the best player out of this entire class is Caleb Downs. I mean, this kid is going to be generational. He's probably going to end up, end up starting day one for us. Uh, we're going to be losing Jordan Battle and DeMarco Hellams, uh, after, after this last bowl game. So that back end of our secondary is going to be, uh, very, very new and inexperienced, but we got some guys back there that can play the position. But Caleb Downs, I mean, well, what more can you say? I'm glad we we're able to stick it with Justice Haynes. Um, and I think a big part of that was keeping Downs, uh, cause there was a little bit of smoke that Haynes might 
be interested in Ohio State and Georgia, but he stuck with us. Um, this defensive class, man. I mean, Quay Russell and James Smith ended up getting those two. We've been pushing real hard for them. Um, that's going to be huge because we're we're going to be losing probably the best defensive player in Alabama history in Will Anderson. I mean, he's going to be gone. We're going to have to replace him. We got Chris Braswell. We're going to have Dallas Turner for another year. But after that, I, we don't have much after that. So when you bring in guys like Keon Keeley, Quay Russell, um, you got Yonze Pierre, you got Jalen Renaud, people on that D-line and edge rushers, that's going to be huge. And then also – Dylan Lonergan and Eli Holstein. I mean, those are very high, highly recruited four stars. Those are good guys. So the quarterback room is going to be very interesting these next couple of years. I, cause we, y'all already know we got Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrose there. There's smoke that we might get a transfer. Not going to say any names, but I, I'm very, very satisfied. I think that after losing the national championship last year, not making the playoffs this year, it's good to see that we have kids still really bought in and they know that Bama's not going anywhere anytime soon because there's always that smoke every year. You get clickbait articles every year, the saving dynasty's over, all this other stuff. It's good to see kids. And honestly, one of the biggest things I've realized from this class and parents are often involved in recruiting a lot of times and you have dads sitting there saying their sons are making their decisions based off this and this and this. It seems like the parents are really bought in. The families are really bought in. Um, so I, I feel like that's what we need for our culture right now. The only thing that could have made this signing day better was the breaking news that Bill O'Brien had been fired, but you know, that, that may come at a later time. No, no, no. That, that, all, all this talk about him, he's, he's getting an extension. Um, don't, don't you wish that on me? So like, this sounds weird because it's Alabama and, but I've just been thinking about it ever since yesterday. I kind of feel like y'all needed this class because, the offensive line depth kind of took a hit. There is going to because you're going to lose up what two, three starters. I mean, Javion Cohen's already transferred to Miami, and you're losing some other guys as well. And then like backup guys, because Tommy Brockmeyer didn't start this year, did he? No. So he he left the TCU. You lost some other guys. Like Caden Proctor's probably going to play right away, right? Yeah. Like you kind of needed to land him, and the whole offensive line class was good. But like you said, yeah. Brian uh, Jordan Battle and those guys leaving. Okay, now you get the number one. I, I think Caleb Downs is a top three player in this class. I know he's rated like maybe tenth in the composite. Like, there's not a lot of guys that I would say. I think he's like if you told me he's the best college or NFL player in this class, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I mean, I, I think he's pretty dang good. And I, as good as Georgia's class was to lose an in-state kid like that to Alabama, it does have to sting a little bit. Yeah. I guess like, it's. How good this class was, I guess it almost like I almost forgot that they missed out on Arch Manning. Like it, yeah. it just that was just feels so long ago because a lot of these kids weren't, or at least to my knowledge, like you're the Alabama guy, but weren't committed at that point. Like you know, Keon Keeley was still at Notre Dame and some of these other kids. Yeah, like we had we lost Peter Woods in the summer to Clemson, just different yeah. stuff like that. And it was just kind of like, okay, how to, it's still Bama, but it's like, okay, they just missed out on on the probably the most popular, you know, we have our different yeah. opinions on how good Arch is, but like the most popular recruit probably of all time, I think yeah. is probably safe to say, um, yeah. I, I guess just, and this is extremely nitpicking. It's not even nitpicking. Cause I think the guys that got to the position are good, but we've, we talked about the past couple of years. There hasn't been any 
the the recruiting level at receiver Alabama went on with Judy Smith, Ruggs, Waddle, all those guys was probably the best college football history. Yeah. And then it fell off a little bit, and you lost some guys in the portal. Trayshawn Holden and JoJo Earl are gone. Yeah. Um, Corey Brooks hasn't hasn't yet. Now I'm not saying he can't. He hasn't yet put forth um, number one receiver. He kind of missed out on Jermaine Burton. Yeah. And then I, it just doesn't feel like Alabama went and got uh, any true alpha dog at receiver. They got some good players, but we I got, still think they're, they're missing some guys there. We got the number one uh, Juco player in the country, Malik Benson. He's going to be a name you got to watch for. I've gone back. I watched a lot of this tape because I, I agree with you. It seemed like we really need an alpha dog to come in. Malik Benson, remember the name. Kid is. Do you think if there's any, and this is, I guess, maybe easy to say, do you expect Bama to add any portal receivers? Uh, honestly, no. No? Okay. Not much. I mean, there's different uh, – I, I would say there's more important positions we really need to focus at in the transfer portal. Um, but as far as receivers go, you got Ja'Cory Brooks. You got Jermaine Burton coming back. This Malik Benson kid coming in. Then we got a bunch of young guys, man. Isaiah Bond, Kobe Prentice, a bunch of speedsters. We got a bunch of young talent at receiver, and I think that was our issue. Whenever we have a guy like Jamison William, Williams walk in straight out of the portal and have the season he did – it seems like, oh, well, it's Bama. Look at what they're doing with transfer receivers. And then we put that expectation on Jermaine Burton, and look how that worked out. And then same thing with recruiting. Oh, well, you got Ruggs and Judy and Smitty all out of the same class. Like, that's that's what we got. That's what we need. You, y'all got to realize, as long as Saban has been at Alabama, not every player is a generational player. And a lot of those kids – sometimes aren't even generational players until they get there and they're in their third, fourth season at Bama. Demonte Smith, he was not like – he won, He caught the game-winning catch in the national championship, yeah, but that entire season I think the uh, freshman that got the most reps was actually Henry Ruggs. Like, I, like his first seven catches in college were all touchdowns, and it was all in like garbage time stuff. When, and I remember 2018, you know, especially during the SEC title comeback against Georgia when Jalen Hurts had to come in. I remember all the talk being Jalen Waddle. Like everybody was in love with Jalen Waddle as a freshman. Yeah. And then, you know, when Devontae Smith come back and then he had probably – or I won't even say probably – he had the best single season a receiver's ever had yeah. in college. So, like I, I do see your point there. And then, you know yeah. – I kind of harped on him a little when he was in college, but Mac Jones, I mean, he was what he was there for a few years. It was four years, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah just mostly like nit nitpicking thing, like I said, and it's it's not criticism; it's really not. It's just, I guess, I just thought maybe you know, guys, there's some there's some like really good receivers in this yeah. class. Hakeem Williams, who went to Florida State, Brandon Ennis, and Carnell Tate going to Ohio State. It's never felt like Bama was in those conversations. I guess we we've, we've been talking about receivers been there kind of weak point for the past couple of seasons and it's just it's development because look at what we do with smitty you had to develop him jalen waddle i think he kind of he got he went to a really good position for him a really good situation because when you have guys like jerry judy and henry rose and Devontae smith nobody's going to be worried about a little jalen waddle as a freshman and so he was able to get a lot more targets and be able to produce off that but it all comes down to development i think we got some really good guys we gotta have the development, and that's been that's been Saban's whole mantra for his entirety at Alabama. You go there, you wait your turn, you start one season, your first round draft pick. Now, since the NIL and the transfer portal has been introduced, you think, oh, freshman gotta play, all this and that. No, we gotta get back to the nitty gritty. We gotta get guys there, 
keep them on campus now. It's going to be so much harder to keep them on campus now. Develop them, get them their one or two years, they're going to be good to go. And I think that's what Saban's building back to. So I guess let's move the conversation. We, we haven't – compared to last year with the Travis Hunter shenanigans that just absolutely – it's crazy. This was a fairly quiet signing death, but I wanted to hit on a couple things before we get to our winners and losers. Obviously, the big news, and it was early – um, everybody said, okay, here we go. Here's the craziness. Um, the number two player in the country, number one cornerback, Cormani McClain, who's been a Miami commit since October, maybe. Yeah. Um, which, which kind of was the shocking commitment, I think, of the whole cycle. Like everybody thought it was Florida or Alabama, and he just had a Miami hat on the table, and then he chose Miami. So he did not sign with Miami. Now he hasn't decommitted from Miami. And as of 311 on Thursday, December 22nd, he has not done anything. Uh, he is. Um, now, as soon as the news come out, I know there was talk at 247 Sports about Colorado being involved from at least, you know, listening to, to a couple of things that Miami and some guys really in the know there. I don't think Colorado's the one they're scared of. It's Alabama. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, obviously I don't have any inside info to this at all. If I, if you made me bet money on it, I, I bet he sticks with Miami. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's just kind of reading the tea leaves here. And I just feel like if he, if he wanted to flip to Bama, he's had multiple opportunities to do so, you know, because there was rumors, was it maybe a week or two ago about him possibly taking an official visit and then he never showed up. He never went on it. So I don't know. So well, that was the craziest thing of the day. The momentum Miami has in recruiting right now is really crazy. Shout out to Mario Cristobal. That's exactly why they brought him there was to be able to pull off top five, top four classes like this. Let let me just butt in for one second. Here's how good this Miami class is. Even if they lose Cormani McLean, the number two player in the country, they fall to six in the recruiting right. rankings. It hurts to lose him, but you're not totally down, and you're not going to fall to 14th and just be like, ah, oh, we missed out. But uh, had to had to just get that point. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, the beef of their recruiting class is exactly what they need. I mean, they got two five star offensive tackles. Um, in Francis Mawagawa and Samson, uh, Samson Okunbola, Okinawa, I don't know, but, and then you got two really high four-star edge rushers and Jaden Wayne and Ruben Bain. You got a linebacker, Malik Bryant. These are things that Miami desperately needed this year. Crystal Ball is a recruiting genius, and that's exactly why they brought him down to Miami. Um, so even if they don't get Cormani, I feel like they filled a lot of slots that they really needed. Cormani would be huge for them, though. I feel like I really wanted – personally, I really wanted Cormani. I feel like he is the best corner in this uh, recruiting cycle. And I now, think he, Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Oh, up. no, I was just going to say, and now you got talks of him going to Colorado and all this other stuff. I feel like – and this might be a little off topic here – I feel like Deion Sanders has a way of because you remember. I mean, we we were young. If anything, I probably wasn't even born yet. Uh, when Deion first came out of college, you remember the name, you remember the buzz, the high profile. He shows up with chains and everything else. He was showtime. He was prime time. You know, like he was that guy. He had a persona about him. He had all all these other factors off the field around him. Never got in trouble. But I think he's trying to recreate that in a lot of these recruits. We see Travis Hunter doing these shenanigans. Now it seems like Cormani, I don't know what he's doing. Maybe it's a, his 
letter of intent is getting messed up along the way. We don't know the deal, but it really seems like that Dion is giving these kids a platform to be able to build their name a little bit better. And I feel like that just draws kids to want to rethink their choices because Colorado seems like the hot commodity right now. So if he does end up flipping to Colorado, it won't surprise me. Let me spit a take at you. And again, I don't know that this is, I'm just kind of reading the tea leaves maybe a little bit and just saying, like, I'm not saying I'm sure Dion or, or somebody has been talking to Cormon or anything, but I also think just by getting it out there that, Hey, is Cormani thinking about flipping to Colorado? He's getting his name in the discussion for, and Cormani may not even be thinking it could be a, He's just crossing the T's, dotting the I's with Miami. Maybe he's thinking of flipping to Alabama or something like that. I, I don't know. But now it's it's all all you've heard is Dion, Dion Colorado, Dion in Colorado, Dion in Colorado, just constantly. And so just in the future, he's just going to be connected to everybody. Could he, could he try to flip this kid? Could he try to flip that kid? And you know, it really puts fear into because your here's the thing is like I don't know if people remember, but. And it wasn't found out till later. Travis Hunter took secret visits to Jackson State. Mm-hmm. Like he was there. Cormani's never been to Colorado. So no. I just I have a hard time, even if they even if there's a big NIL deal or something like that involved, I just I find it hard to believe a player of his caliber, even going someplace you've never visited for a coach you I, I, I even though it is we've known about Dion our whole lives. Yeah. But you've never, you've never really. That's one conversation. Well, we Maybe saw. I don't know. It logically, you're making perfect sense. But the only, only knock on that argument is: look what A and M just did last year. Is it sustainable? Probably not. You got to get kids that are on campus that have an emotional attachment to these universities before they commit. Now, because of NIL, their emotional attachment is to that check they're going to be getting. You don't but need a visit. I think coaches need to be careful of that going forward. If, if if you got kids committing just for NIL, like you need to be careful because I, you're look look at Texas A and M. But I feel like Dion is in a different spot. He's at a place where they've been horrible for the last twenty years in football. He's it's his first time at a Power Five school. He just needs to get them on campus. So he's kind of in a different situation, you know. I know we're growing our platform and hope we expand, but this kind of thing on bigger shows and bigger platforms, this is what Dion wants. He wants you talking about Dion in Colorado and possibly signing Cormani McClain, even if it doesn't happen. Like it, that, this is exactly what he wants, and this is why he was brought to Colorado. This yeah. is exactly it. But um, just you know, kind of shooting off that, I guess, getting into some winners and losers. I don't, you know, at the start of the week, it was not good for the Oregon Ducks. They lost their five-star QB. You know, Oregon hasn't really signed big-time quarterbacks here. Um, I, and this, I, I might be wrong on this. I, when was the last time they signed a big-time quarterback? Like, I, I just can't remember it to my knowledge because Herbert wasn't a big-time recruit. I don't think Mariota was a big-time recruit. Um, and that's yeah. just, I don't know that I'm remembering. But And I was like, oh, man. Oregon may be falling a little bit behind, but they shoot from 14 to 7. Yeah. Flip Tate Bowen from Notre Dame. Mateo Uyunglele commits over – you know, all the smoke had been about USC, possibly in Ohio State um, in there too, but Oregon kind of shot out of nowhere in that one. They get him, and they did some other things as well, and they got uh, the transfer from Rhode Island who was a – he was a top five rated player in the portal. Yeah. Um, I think some of that is getting really good offensive linemen in the transfer portal is so hard. Like yeah. that – to me, that's a position I think a lot of college coaches want to go get that 
the the Francis Malagoas or the Caden mm-hmm. Proctors and grow them in house because it's getting kids like that in the portal it just it hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, you're just not going to find elite tackles at that spot. So um, get, getting guys like that is very important. But man, what, what a day for Dan Lanning and, and and the Ducks! Number one class in the Pac-12. I think I think they were the biggest winners of yesterday, not named Alabama. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, this class came out of nowhere because when you see the Dante Moore decommitment flips to UCLA, we're like, oh, no, is this the start of it? Not a chance. You got Dan Lanning smoking cigars, watching TV, kicking his feet up. He had a good day, and shout out to him. I mean, I knew he had the potential for this because we saw the recruiting he did at Georgia. So he knows how the game is played. He knows what you got to sit there and say when you're sitting across a young kid and his mom on his couch in his living room. He knows the deal. And then also Oregon is a very high-profile NIL destination. I honestly, whenever they first introduced NIL, I was the first name that came to mind was Oregon because it, it's Oregon, Nike. It's it's the headquarters of all things money and sports. To be honest with you, like that's just how it is. Anywhere outside of Texas, the biggest NIL place is Oregon to me. So with all that being said, it was a fantastic class. And what's crazy to me is, and I was trolling one of my buddies. He's a huge Florida fan. But there's a little bit of truth behind it. If you would have told me that Dan Lanning had a better first season at Oregon than Billy Napier had at Florida, he would have a better first recruiting cycle at Oregon than Billy Napier did at Florida, I wouldn't have believed you. And look at where we're at. Shout out to Dan Lanning. That is a good day for the Ducks. I'll say on the field, you know, because Oregon had a win total of nine. They still had talent there that Cristobal had. Florida's was about six and a half, seven. Like recruiting, I I get, because that was like the whole reason Napier was there. He's got like, what, 13,000 assistants and analysts there. You know, he's trying to build that that Saban blueprint of just having just so many people there. Um, And, you know, I and Florida had a good class. Like, I'm not going to sit here and hate on it. It wasn't, I think, what Florida fans wanted. Um, yeah. They did miss out on Cormani McLean. They lost several battles to Miami. I mean, Mark Fletcher, the running back, Samson Okunlola, the five-star tackle. Those were all either Miami or Florida battles. And, you know, Cormani McLean obviously was thought to be a Florida lean, too, and they lost out on that. So, yeah. um, but back to Oregon, yeah, just the thing is, I think still – you know, some programs have to, I think, redesign how they recruit a little bit because most of these recruits that, or I think all of them, were not alive for, say, the last time Miami won a national title or something like that. I think a lot of, you know, growing up when me and you were in high school, Oregon was kind of the thing a little bit with the uniforms. And I think that's still relevant and they still have some of that. So I don't think it's all totally NIL based, even though I do think um, that has to, that's obviously a part of Like, I'm not stupid. Yeah. Um, and then I was skeptical of the hire at first. Like, I'm not going to lie. I just, I thought recruiting at Georgia and recruiting at Oregon are two different things. People like to think of Oregon as just this money, like, just, but they've never, I, I don't think they've ever had a class like this. Yeah. Chris had top 10 classes, but I don't remember him ever closing on several guys like this. And that could just be my spotty memory. But um, yeah. man, I don't, other than Nick Saban, I don't think there was a bigger winner yesterday. Um you got you got a winner on, on on in your head, or do you want to get to any losers, or where you um, want to go? I I don't know how much we're considering this winners, um, but I think Oklahoma silently had a very very good class. I mean, they're sitting right there at number eight, right behind Oregon. You get a guy like Jackson Arnold. You get uh, they got a five star edge rusher, edge rusher. You got the receivers. They got a four a very high four star offensive tackle. I feel like it was a really, really good class for Brent Venables. I feel like that's what you need, especially coming off the season they just had. 
Brent Venables, he probably wants to clean house after this after this uh bowl season. He wants to get things going in the fashion that he wants to because he's seen how it works at a national championship team uh, program at Clemson. He knows how the recruiting game works. He knows how to win. I think this class is going to propel him to do that because they had a lot of good defensive commits. They had a lot of high four-star guys. And I feel like it was just a really solid. They didn't have any big major news breaking the storylines about them. They didn't have any major flips and all that, but it was silently a very good class. As far as biggest losers though, and I think we talked about this a little bit before the show, what is the plan? What is Lincoln Riley thinking at USC? Like what, what's the plan here? You're going to line up a bunch of five-star wide receivers and quarterbacks on the offensive line. Like what do you, this isn't seven on seven football, man. And you're about to go to the big 10. There's some big boys in the trenches in the big 10. What are you going to do? And here's the thing. I want to pat ourselves on the back real quick because I haven't – I don't feel like anybody's brought up USC as a loser much on any other nationally relevant shows. So I, I do want to take time to talk about this. Just a quick, couple quick points on Oklahoma. I think the couple things that overshadowed them yesterday is, one, the day Texas had. I mean, that Texas, yeah. obviously, when you sign – signing Arch Manning alone is the is going to be the headliner, but they, they pulled in some really good kids yesterday. Anthony Hill, Cedric Baxter, Jonte Cook. Like, they had a good class, man. They got – they got and they – it's important for Texas and Oklahoma to be recruiting like this because they it's about to get harder. Yeah. You know, you've got to be recruiting against Bama, Georgia. LSU had a has had a pretty good day, but they, they kinda I think LSU was poised to have a really good day and then because they were the favorites for Desmond Ricks and now that might be trending towards Alabama. Even then you got you got schools like Tennessee on the come up. They got their guy at quarterback. They had a top ten recruiting class. Like the SEC is gonna be very, very difficult. And then Obviously, the day I think Texas had overshadowed Oklahoma a little bit in the Big 12. And then they were the favorites to flip Peyton Bowen from Notre Dame because there was a lot of smoke about him mm-hmm. flipping, but it was all towards Oklahoma. And then that didn't happen. So you you kind of had a little bit of the air out of the balloon. But I agree with you. Like having a class coming off like a, a really disappointing – I mean, they started the season off in the top ten, were thought to be a possible playoff contender. Um, didn't Obviously, didn't work out. Yeah. But um, And Jackson Arnold is really good. I don't know if people had a chance to watch him. He's really he's really he's good. phenomenal. I remember him in the Elite Eleven. Dude, he's a baller. I also want to make a point at how many good quarterbacks I think there are in this class. Sometimes you just yeah. get two or three, and everybody's trying to get one or two. And if you miss out, you're like, man, we missed our shot. But I think personally, if you had to ask me, I think Nico is the is the top QB in this class. If I, if you I had think. maybe two of these guys, and I think Malachi Nelson is probably second, and then Arch Manning. Um, but Dante guys like Jaden's up there, you got right up there. Jaden Rashad, I think, is really talented. Uh, Chris, like Eli Holstein, I mean, he's I feel like he's top ten in this class. And I think an under the radar guy. I watched him in an Elite Eleven regional. Um, was Chris Vecina at Clemson? He he's yeah. really good. Um, so I had I had a chance to see him in the spring, and then that that was that was good seeing. Um, so I think he'll. I think it'll be interesting just because, you know, you're probably getting two years out of Cade Klubnik. Is he going to stick around for that time or, you know, there's just yeah. speculation. But, um, yeah, just going back to USC, I just – going into the day, I think they were the team in the Pac-12 a lot of people thought maybe could move up because they were the favorites for Mateo Uyunglele and five-star tight end Deuce Robinson. Yeah. Uh, Mateo committed to Oregon and Deuce has been getting crystal balled to Georgia. Yeah. So that's – Mateo to me is the biggest loss because every season, really since he's been at Oklahoma, no matter how good they are, it's the criticism is how good are you up front? Now he had that first team he had, you know, had Creed Humphrey, Orlando Brown, and they had some guys up front. 
but it kind of trailed off a little bit. And that was his biggest problem on the Jalen Hurts team in 2019. And I think the year um, Rattler and Caleb Williams kind of split time was offensive line is just not very good. Um, and then defense. Well, you, think that, you think that's what goes in whenever he goes out and gets these major dual threat guys is because he knows he's not recruiting as well at offensive line. So he needs a maybe, guy. But I also just think it's like Malachi Nelson's a consensus top five player. Like he's, yeah. it's just, and he's in the state of California. And that's the other thing. Mateo's from California. Like that's one of the biggest things about Lincoln Riley coming in and paying him all that money was, hey, at least keep all his talent from leaving. You know, Bryce Young left. He was a USC commit at one point. CJ Stroud's from California. DJ Young left. I mean, was, and I know like people have their different opinions on him now, but like he was that was a high school. He was right there behind Bryce. Yeah. Um. So <clears throat> he, he might get to the playoff and, and get there, but if you you have to be able to beat Alabama or Georgia or somebody like even Michigan, who doesn't maybe recruit five star linemen at yep. the rate. Look at them like that. They are as good up front as anybody not named Georgia in the country this year. Like it's you win or lose games in the trenches. I know that's said a, a billion different times, but it's true. It, it's it's absolutely true. So, um, any any quick hitters here before we get um, out? Of here? Um, I'm looking at these two schools. I got two schools in mind. You got Michigan and you got Florida State. And I wanted to get your take on this because honestly, I love the blueprint here. They're sitting right there in between the 15 and 20 range in recruiting out of high school kids. But the business they're taking care of in the transfer portal, dog. Oh my gosh. I love it. And that's, and here's the thing. Everybody wants to talk about NIL early. There's a bunch of hot takes about early signing day and they don't like how it is. And it's just sat right here in the middle of the most important part of the season. If they're going to open up the transfer portal like this and even Ole Miss, I feel like Ole Miss is one of these destinations. Abusing the transfer portal, I honestly like the blueprint. You save yourself a year's worth of time at the least. You don't have to develop an 18 or 17, 18-year-old kid fresh out of high school. You can get a guy that had a year of development, at least a year into in a weight uh, strength and conditioning program, and then you can get him on your campus and let him produce for you and develop him how you want to. You got schools like Michigan, Florida State, um, who else I say, Ole Miss, I really like the blueprint of just you're not going so hard at these high school kids, but the guys that are coming out of the transfer portal, you're sitting there and feasting off of it. I honestly really do like that blueprint in today's game of college football. And I think that's definitely what they're going for. And I have had these conversations with others before, you know, like Florida State, you know, they're in like the, what, 15, 20, I don't know where they are. They're even. like at 18 or 19 right now. Yeah, which I still personally believe the best way to go is getting this high school talent and, and developing it yourself like a Bama or a Georgia. I mean, you're seeing Georgia didn't take any transfers this year, and yep. they're they're the heavy favorites to win the national title here in a few weeks. So, I, I mean, I like what they did. I mean, Hakeem Williams, I think, is going to play from day one. I mean, he – I think Zachariah Branch at USC may have been the number one receiver. I personally think it's either Hakeem Williams or Brandon Ennis. Hakeem is just physically gifted as they come in this class. And then, like, they're cleaning up in the portal. Jaheim Bell from South Carolina and these other guys. So, and the work Michigan's done, it's kind of weird. Michigan, this is their second straight playoff appearance. They're, what, 21st, 22nd in recruiting. They didn't land any big-time players. They, But I feel like it's – Jim Harbaugh's developed pretty much at every position, like, Again, I'm not a Michigan recruiting expert, but I feel like a lot of the, like at the Aiden Hutchinsons and whatnot, we're not big five five star prospects. I mean, Michigan doesn't have a single top 100 
uh, signing your commitment right now. But and I know. think that's a, a bit of a problem because you saw when they ran into Georgia last year, and there weren't many teams that could go against Georgia last year. I mean, Bama was obviously the most well-equipped on both sides of the ball to do so. But there is the talent gap there where if they have to go beat a Georgia or beat a Alabama or beat somebody like that, they're having a little bit of a – I think they could have a little bit of a harder time doing so because the like people and people talk about, well, Ohio State, they're up there in the blue chip ratio. They run them over. There is a difference in physicality between Ohio State and Georgia and Alabama until proven otherwise. Which we are about to probably see yeah. in a couple yeah. of weeks. Until, pro- until Ohio State proves otherwise, um, and they kind of had a low-key, not great day. They had some kids flip and some kids not sign yesterday. Ohio State, like it's a good class, but it's not the, it's not what Ohio State's accustomed to. And I, I, I kind of thought that was interesting, but we're kind of running out of time here. But yeah, I mean, I think it's both Norvell and, and Harbaugh both clearly have plans for what they want to do and how they want to win and attack. And I'll say this: I know we just kind of harped on Lincoln Riley a little bit. Maybe that's what he's going for too. I mean, because. They were very transfer portal heavy uh, last year, but I'll say this: Caleb Williams ain't in every transfer portal. Yeah, just, he's not, and I think that needs to like after this Mario year. Mario Williams and Travis Dye. There's not a lot of those sitting out there, you know. And then you know, I'm not going to rehash the Jordan Addison thing again, but that was very. There was a lot of go back and forth there, so it's just like you know, Michigan. They recruited JJ McCarthy. He's going to have to be the difference if they want to beat TCU and Georgia. He's got to be the difference, and then like. Florida State, you know, Jordan Travis is leaving after this year. Are they going to just go transfer a quarterback? And, and you know, is there going to be anybody – because he's pretty good. Is there going to be anybody of his caliber? Are they going to – because I don't know of any high school quarterbacks they've really got um, right now that they that they could develop into high-level players. Yeah, it, it's, they're going to – at some point, the transfer portal is not going to be sustainable. And I think – That's my take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The transfer portal is not going to be sustainable. But for schools like that – Michigan, uh, like Michigan these last two years, they played at a higher level than we've seen in the entire Harbaugh era. Florida State, they've played at a higher level than we've seen probably since, what, 2016, 2017? So the transfer portal is a – essentially the way I see it, the transfer portal is a temporary solution. High school recruiting, that's your more long-term stuff. And so at some point you're going to really have to dip your toes into high school recruiting. You're going to have to go get those big-name guys, especially Florida State. And I think Florida State, they're in a little bit of a better situation. Florida State and USC especially, they're in a better situation than uh, Michigan. you got to go get those in-state guys, man. you got to go get those Long Beach Polys. you got to go get those IMG Academies. you got to go get these kids, man. you got to recruit your own state at a high level because right now Florida – you got Miami down there. It's going to be hard to take guys from them. Billy Napier is going to pick it up soon. USC, you got everybody in the country coming, coming and getting your speed and your wide receivers and your defensive guys out of the state. You got to start recruiting your state. That's the thing. Florida State seemingly has all the momentum in the state in terms of wins and losses. Mm-hmm. They're pretty far behind Miami and, and a little bit behind Florida in recruiting. And even but, UCF, they're getting some big names. Yeah, but – um. That's going to do it for us. We will be back here next week. To We got college football playoffs a week from Saturday. It's coming, folks. We still got bowl season rolling on. Um, you know, go Beavers. They 10-win season last week, so I just had to shout them out real quick. But go go check out all Yellow Jackets for all your Georgia Tech stuff. Make sure to follow my man Kobe on social media. I am Jackson Caldell. That is Kobe Reed. We're out.